In the rugged and remote Taranaki region of New Zealand runs a Waimeti stream and the isolated Manuka forests, home to the bees that produce some of the most natural, pure Manuka honey in the world. Manuka honey is a great daily immune booster, digestive remedy and an anti-inflammatory. It's also a great alternative to sugar and a powerful ingredient for longevity. Waimeti honey is a high-quality New Zealand Manuka honey now available in Australia at Woolworths right around the country. And even better, every time you buy Waimeti honey, 10% of your purchase goes towards the regeneration of hive numbers to increase the world bee population. More honey, more healing, and more health for humanity. Waimeti honey. Find it now in Woolworths stores right around Australia. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Damien Christoph and Dr. Brett Hill. Hey, Brett. Hey, Damo. What are you working on at the moment, mate? Well, I'm working on a few things, Damo. I'm writing a book, but what I've just finished working on is my Art of Natural Running e-course, ah. and I'm really excited about it. So, you know, I've been going around Australia doing this uh, this live course where I was teaching people how to run naturally, and uh, and what I realized was that I couldn't get around to everybody uh, and that it was hard to get around to everybody all around Australia and even outside of Australia, people who wanted to learn about how to run naturally and how to run it more easily, how to make it more fun and how to get less injuries. And so I decided to put it all together into an e-course, which is about five and a half hours worth of video content. Oh, far out. That's unbelievable. Where do people find it? So they can find it at theartofnaturalrunning.com and they'll be able to hear not just from me, but from experts like Danny Dreyer from Chi Running. We've got Kim Morrison. We've got Kelly Starrett from Mobility Ward. And we've even got a guy called The Barefoot Podiatrist, who's my favorite. Good bloke. Okay. So theartofnaturalrunning.com. Hi, this is Damien Christoph. And this is Brett Hill. We had a great interview today, Damo. Really enjoyed it, talking all about omega-3s and all of the different sources you can get them from. Yeah, I know. It was, uh, it was quite interesting, actually. There's a few little things in there that I think people will be quite surprised about and um, and really happy about too, like where they can get omega-3 from their food. Because I think, you know, let's be honest, people don't always want to be taking a tablet of something. But uh, it's good to know that there's different sources of, of omega-3 that you can get access to just through, your, you know, a good diet, a good healthy diet. But yeah. there's also ways in which you can take it in a supplement form that works way better than what we've ever had before in the past. It's interesting, isn't it? I thought there was some really interesting information about the difference in the bioavailability of the omega-3s between things like fish and krill oil. And uh, I just thought it was, it was fascinating to have someone who's obviously up to date with all of the research to help explain the differences and why that might be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've, we've interviewed Stephen Eady before and uh, he's, he's a wealth of knowledge. He worked at Health World when I first met him. Um, he went on to uh, be, work at Health Schools Australia. He was their vice principal for a bit and then became the principal for uh, quite some time and, and did a, a really incredible job. Uh, training naturopaths, uh, which was which is super cool. Um, he's got on a podcast too. The podcast is called the ATP Project. He's a pretty smart fella, and uh, and those guys are doing some really good work. Mm -hmm. And um, just keeps on, you know, taking the world by storm. So I'm really, you know, grateful to have Stephen on again on the Wellness Guys show and talking about, um, you know, marine triglycerides, omega three fatty acids, krill oil tonight or today tonight today uh, was really you know insightful and great for me. Yeah, let's get into it. It's a good interview.
It is. Brado, we're joined by Steve Eddy today, and uh, he's a very smart man. We've interviewed Steve before in the past. He um, Obviously, he has years and years of wisdom. He actually has more wisdom in his head than he, I'm sure he has birthdays on his candle, because he's, well, birthday candles on his cake, because he still looks unbelievably young. He must have some secrets. It's Stephen, it's uh, it's great to have you back on the podcast again, and, and uh, we're talking today about omega-3 fatty acids. How have you been, mate? Oh, okay. No worries. It's good to be on the podcast radio today. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's good to be here today. Stephen, um, you've had a long history uh, in in this profession. You, uh, the first time I met you, I'm not, I'm not sure if it was actually at a um, at an international congress or there was. I'm not even sure if there was alcohol involved. But I know that you and I met um, <laughs> with a, with Metagenics when you were doing a lot of work with Metagenics Health World, and uh, and then you've had an unbelievably flourishing career over the last you know more than a decade, probably 15 years since you left Health World. What have you been up to, mate? What's been happening? Oh, I've been, you know, look, look, I've, I've run a college in that time. I've been obviously worked for Metagenics and well, I ran a college for about 15 years, which is good. And uh, Was it 15 and, years? Um, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Oh, yeah. Three, yeah, it was about three as vice principal and then sort of ran it for 12 and worked for another company and um, teaching natural medicine. I've been teaching natural medicine. As you said, I'm a bit of a nerd, but gee whiz, I'm 49 now, so I've got loads <laughs> of candles on the cake. You know, it's pretty crazy, really, when you think about it. Mate, that's amazing. You still look twenty. Still look twenty. So ah. you ran Health Schools Australia. You've been um, at a naturopath. You're a, you're a chemist. Uh, you worked at Health World. Um, you've done a lot of research, and uh, there's things are changing in this space. They change all the time. We used to always think that it was salmon omega threes that would that would all go, you know, for when we were choosing omega three fatty acids for our health. But that seems to have changed a little bit, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, look, there's nothing wrong with having good old salmon oils and, and those sort of things. Eating salmon is still very good for you. But, yeah, there's there's different t- types of omega-3s nowadays. We just know more than what we used to. And, you know, as I said, there's still nothing wrong with the omega-3s. We've just, we've just got better at uh, uh, um, more about what we know about what's what's out there. So, so what has changed then, Stephen? I mean, in terms of the knowledge, you're saying it's it's been updated, it's changed. What what's the latest in terms of the research? You've obviously got your finger on the button here. So, what's changed, and and what do we know now that we didn't know, say, five or ten years ago? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, well, what we knew five ten years ago was these two types of oils, EPA and DHA, or cosapentaenoic acid and decosahexaenoic acid, uh, are fantastic omega-3s. They're super unsaturated fats. They're really good for our body. They reduce triglycerides, reduce heart disease, great for the brain, all that. And now we, we, we and that, that was all in fish oils. Now, that's great. You know, there's nothing wrong with those things. But now we've discovered that you can get uh, fish oils, if I can call them that, or EPA, DHA, which is far better absorbed. And also, if, if you use a source that's... Um, better absorbed, this actual other source, the krill oil source, for example, has other antioxidants in it, other fat-soluble nutrients in it, which are, are just add to the benefit of having omega-3s. You know, they have um, astaxanthin and all the other colorings in there, which are absolutely uh, wonderful antioxidant for the human body. And then, of course, you know, we're, we're starting to, you know, become sort of, you know, conscious about fisheries. And, you know, we, we're not into killing tons of fish for a reason but krill is you know extremely sustainable there's 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 literally billions of krill there um you know what i mean so we're becoming a bit more you know you know a, a, a bit, bit more conscious of the environment so you know we, we've got these other factors that are coming into play now so that's why 
uh, we have, you know, we, we're starting to use different oils. But it's fascinating because many years ago, I remember um, when, you know, the research for omega-3s was out, we were saying, you know, don't do flax, don't do, um, you know, plant-based omega-3s because they're poorly absorbed and they don't convert very well to the active omega-3s that we're after, the EPA, DHA that we're after. And then, you know, vegans come around and so they're all, you know, using the plant-based omega-3s and it seems to be going all right, I suppose. We'll, I suppose we'll find out. Um, we also then used to say that um, there was different types. You know, there was a waxy type or there was a, a, um, a, a triglyceride form. There, you know, there was different types of omega-3s that we get. And, and we, we thought at the time that krill would be unfavorable. And then there was discussion around krill being not sustainable because we're taking the food from the whales. But you're saying there's billions and billions of these krill. How quickly do they reproduce? Are they, are they these little creatures that can just, you know, multiply like bacteria? Or is there some kind of a life cycle that we still need to be aware of? Oh, look, there's actually done research on this. So it's great, great you mentioned that. And, and the amount of krill that's harvested annually, and of course, you know, this is a, a statistic being measured, is actually 0.047% of the total unexploited biomass and that's what's harvest annually so not not less than one percent uh you know way less than 0.1 of a percent so you know we, we, we're talking less than one in one thousand krill so if you, you take a thousand krill and we're humans are harvesting less than one in a thousand so and of course they populate dramatically and you know whales eat tons of them so so we, we are really talking about a sustainable um a, approach you know uh, it, it you know companies work closely with the World Wildlife um, Foundation, the Commission of Conservation. So, so they, they're actually doing it now because actually customers are driving this. They're saying, yeah, yeah, but is it sustainable? So there is a lot of research going into this, and it's called eco harvesting these days. Yeah, right. Nice. So that must be a lot of krill because these are only tiny little creatures. So for those people who don't know exactly what krill are, can you describe to us exactly what they are, how big they are, what they look like? Yeah, sure. Well, they're all, they're actually, krill is actually a, a, a many, many different forms of microorganisms that live in the ocean. That's, that's what krill is. It's kind of the, um, the, the, the biomass, which is actually microscopic. And, and there's all sorts of krill. They look like, if you, if you ever want to look at a, a picture of, if you think of a shrimp and they've got that little orangey color to it, that's what a krill is. And, 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 and that's what they are. So they're like a little, little tiny, Shrimp. There you go. That's a good way to describe them. <laughs> You'd be familiar with a little shrimp, I think, wouldn't you, Bredo? That uh, that would. Yeah, I'm sure you would know what that is. <laughs> hey, uh, Stephen. With uh, regards to the access access tenth, and how do you say that word? <laughs> there you go. Thank you for helping out. That um, <laughs> that um, that uh, phytonutrient. Or it was, it's not really. Yeah. It's not really. Is it really? Is it a phytonutrient? Because phyto would mean plant, but it's a nutrient. Okay, or a, yeah. yeah. So, uh, what are the other um, nutrients that we're finding in krill that are of benefit to us? Obviously, there's a color in there. This is an, an antioxidant. But what else is in there that yeah. that's beneficial for us? That's beyond just the omega three benefit. Sure. Well, it's actually a phospholipid form of omega three, so it's much better absorbed in the body. So mm, okay. it has, you know, it, it, it's an omega three, but it's better absorbed. So that that's the other sort of reason why krill oil there's really only three and that's the astaxanthin content uh the um the absorbability is much better and of course we have the um you know the sustainability they're the three main reasons why you want to look for krill 
So being a phospholipid, phospholipid form, gee, I'm tripping over my words. I should have uh, had a drink of water before I got off the golf course. So, so busy laughing at your own jokes, Damo. You've just lost it. You've lost it. <laughs> I know, right? I know, right? Jeepers. Being a phospholipid form um, and every single cell within the body has a phospholipid bilayer. Um, is that yeah. part of the reason why we we, uh, we think that it's better absorbed? Has there been uh, some research to tell us that it is better absorbed than, say, your standard marine triglycerides that we might get from, say, um, the cold water fish like halibut or salmon or anchovy? Yeah, absolutely. The reason is because a phospholipid has a phosphate group at one end. This is a big chemistry other people knew. But basically one end is, is water-soluble and the other end is fat-soluble. So you get that almost like a double absorption effect because the, the molecule is 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 what what we term in chemist term polar and it's got poles to it. it's got one end different to the other and therefore it, it's absorbed much better that way so there's been a lot of research on that and phospholipids as you correctly pointed out is the major component of all cell membranes so you know this is this is this is why it's so well incorporated into the body so you know another phospholipid is like phosphatidylcholine phosphatidylserine these sorts of things so they are actually quite good for the body because they are the actual type of fat that the body uses. It's interesting, isn't it, Stephen? Because it doesn't necessarily make logical sense. Like if you think about it from, I guess, an evolutionary perspective, you know, you kind of think, well, we probably would have eaten fish, um, but we probably wouldn't have spent the time to go and try and catch ourselves a little feed of krill. And so uh, it, why do you think it is that it is more bioavailable, given that, uh, that as I said, it isn't necessarily something we traditionally would have eaten? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, 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 it's true, and, and this is what uh, science is showing. We certainly wouldn't have naturally eaten krill, but we certainly would have eaten fish that would have eaten krill. But nowadays with our, you know, Australians particularly don't eat enough of the right quality seafood. You guys are probably exceptions, but, you know, a lot of people don't eat the, the, the right amount of seafood, so it really didn't matter. I mean, in the past, we would, you know, if, if you think of Aboriginals in Australia, this probably goes uh, international, but basically they do a lot of hunting and gathering around the ocean or they would kill animals that would eat grass, you know, and so therefore would have plenty of omega-3s. It wouldn't have to, you know, it, it's still the omega-3s are very well absorbed. There's nothing wrong with the absorption. Just this is better absorbed, just more efficient. So when you're having small amounts, like, for example, in a capsule, this is the better form because you can just get better absorbed. But you're absolutely right if you're eating it you know, a ton of omega-3s like we would in, in agricultural times, you, you, you won't have a problem anyway. So that's this is just more effective when you put it in the capsule. I'm liking it. You said something that was very interesting, and uh, and I think a lot of people's ears would have pricked up, and mine certainly did. You said that they would have been eating animals that ate grass, and so their omega-3s mm. were doing pretty good. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Oh, sure. Well, well nowadays, most people, let, 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 let's take the, the standard Australian diet or American diet. We would have meat and veg for dinner. Um, and, and meats these days are typically uh, beef these days, as have also, yes, they eat grass, but they also eat grains. And when you feed grain to a ma mammal, the liver um, actually converts a lot of those grains into fats and they're long-chain saturated fatty acids. So what you do when you feed a, a cow grains, for example, is that the grain um, gets turned into saturated fats and then the saturated fats uh, sit inside the arteries and the tissues of the cow. So you get this effect that you may have heard of called marbling, and I hope uh, listeners are, are well aware of what marbling is, and that's wagyu. those yeah. fatty streaks. Yeah, yeah, wagyu. Wagyu is a beast that's been heavily marbled. Mm. Now, this is great if you're cooking with it. It, it turns into a lovely, soft, tasty, tender meat. Um, but the marbling, that the type of saturated fat in there is a long-chain saturated fatty acid, which is actually 
quite dangerous for consumption. And so, you know, we were not having the lean meats like the kangaroos and the, and the, the grass-fed beef. So that's the difference between grain and grass-fed. And, yeah, so I guess, you know, the ratios can be quite significantly different, can't they? I mean, we're talking about, you know, the stats I've read have said, you know, perhaps one to one or four to one in terms of the grass-fed stuff and, and maybe even up to something like 20 to one in terms of the, the grain-fed stuff. Is that the sort of difference we're talking about, Stephen? Unfortunately, correct. Uh, yeah, um, we, we, we certainly don't have enough of the um, omega-3s in beef anymore because it's grain-fed and uh, grains – of course, there a lot of the animal fat is either saturated or omega-6s, which we're getting too much of. And, and, and that's a problem because grass-fed meat has a lot of omega-3 in it. A lot of people don't realise that beef can be a good source of omega-3. Um, everyone thinks yeah. fish. But certainly if it's grain-fed, then that can be very problematic. I mean, as I said, the chefs love it because it marbles it and it makes it more tender. And when you cook it, the fat melts and you get, quote, a juicy steak. But it doesn't happen in nature like that. So if we ate more like a traditional diet, we wouldn't have to worry about absorptions of omega-3s. We'd be fine. But just these days, we've got to kind of restore the balance. That's what we're aiming for anyway. And as well as the, the what the animals we're eating are eating in terms of the grass, is it also true that it depends on which parts of the animals we eat as well and that perhaps uh, if we did, if we were to eat maybe some more of the organ meats and those sort of things and, and brains and those sort of things, then, then maybe we would actually get uh, some of those higher uh, quantities of omega-3s from those animals? Oh, absolutely, particularly the brain. The brain is where a lot of the DHA, which is one of the EPA, it's one of the, quote, fish oils, if I can call it that, is found in the brains of, of lots of mammals, including humans. Um, so that's why, of course, DHA is extraordinarily good for the brain because there's needs lots of it. Uh, and, um, you know, we, if we don't eat enough of that and we're eating a lot of the, um, say, omega-3 from plant sources, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no DHA in plant sources. The, the omega-3 is linoleic acid, which you know, needs to be converted down to DHA and it's a bit of a painful process if you call it that way and a lot of people don't have the nutrients or cofactors to get it down to the active form of uh, EPA and DHA. So, yeah, if we had the brains and organs, we would be a lot better off. Uh, in Australia, that's not really done. There's not many, you know, cow brains or uh, people eat lamb brains, um, but it's not like you a staple, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not something you usually eat for dinner. <laughs> it is for Brett. Brett, uh, he has them in smoothies. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but he doesn't make a smoothie with a wizard. He uses it with a mortar and pestle. That's how he makes his smoothies. Oh, it's, uh, it's oh smart, Damo. It's all so smart. All those omega threes, <laughs> that DHA, oh, no. all over it. I oh, know, Stephen. Uh, EPA and DHA, um, they perform different functions within the body. It, it, you know, maybe this could be old news, and uh, and the new news might be something different. But my understanding was that EPA was particularly good for anti-inflammatory action, and then DHA was particularly good for the nervous system and the brain, um, cardiovascular system, and and that's how it kind of went. Is that still true, or is that have things changed there? No, that's about right. I mean, you know, the, 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 then I came across study DHA is anti-inflammatory. So right. remember, they, they both can, well, EPA can be converted into DHA. So there's a little bit of conversion there. But you're absolutely right. That's the that's the sort of way to sort of uh, go there. It's it's certainly a mixture of both, and and that's what we need. We need we need both of them in the diet. You're right. The, the EPA. So you know, you, you can buy sources of concentrates of each, but uh, you know, I just go for them both because. You know, reducing inflammation and improving my brain is something that, you know, I think is, is, is a win-win as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And 
So, Stephen, coming back to something you said a little bit earlier, you were talking about uh, having the Omega-3s in capsule form. Um, I'd love you to talk about the different ways you can do it in terms of capsules versus oils and, um, you know, what the best way is to take these Omega-3s in um, and, and perhaps a little bit about what the capsules are made of because I know that can be important for lots of people as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, firstly, uh, in, in the old, I'll take you back to olden days of fish oil was, was cod liver oil. Uh, and that tasted absolutely wonderful. No, it didn't taste. No, I loved it. I uh, loved but, pie pole. That was oh, great. Yeah, that was. My, really my grand used to give me that. She yeah. was before her yeah, time, and uh, it wasn't great. Oh no, I loved it. <laughs> I would, I'd go back for seconds. It was great. Yeah, oh, I mean, you know, if you flavour them, sure. Then, of course, we we came out with fish oils that tasted, you know, relatively good. They were well, you know, what they call fractionated or purified. And, uh, you know, they taste a lot better, less less fishy taste, and, you know, people could have them on a spoonful. But the, seriously, the most convenient way is, is capsule because, you know, that's just people can swallow capsules relatively easy. Most capsules are made with gelatin, which, uh, you know, everyone says, oh, but what if you're a vegan? I said, well, if you're a vegan, you wouldn't get any fish oils, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, 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 you know what I mean? And, and so, so g- gelatin has, you know, mild benefits in the body, so... Uh, you know, you, you shouldn't have to worry about the capsules that they're in. They're usually those those pretty stiff uh, capsules. But if you are uh, and, you you know, you don't want to take the capsules, you can simply just snip the end off it and suck the oil down if you wanted to. There's no 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 problem with that or, you know, put them in your smoothies or whatever the case may be. But, you know, that, that you know, so I'm, I'm a fan of capsules because, you know, being in practice for years as well, pe- people just take them easier, you know, instead of liquids. But that's just my personal thing. Maybe I'm not tough enough with them. Hey, um, just a quick, just a quick one. If you chuck it into your smoothie, do you chuck the whole capsule in, or do you snip the end and pour it in? <laughs> Either way is fine. Uh, you you may end up with some, you know, gelatin bits in there, which might be, you know, semi unpleasant when you're drinking it. Oh, but, but if you're not, then that's absolutely fine. You know, there's no no problem either way. Now, Stephen. Um, I think it's important people also understand that from an anti-inflammatory um, aspect that omega-6s are still mildly anti-inflammatory uh, while they're yeah. raw. That's correct, isn't it? But if they've yeah. been cooked, that's when things become a problem. Now, if salmon um, or your omega-3s from your food gets cooked, is that equally as big a problem? It is if it's overcooked. I mean, lightly cooked fish and at relatively low temperatures is fine. Remember... They, they don't typically contain the, the, the salmonellas that are found in chicken. So you can uh, not undercook a fish, but you don't need to cook a fish with vigor. You know what I mean? You can cook it at a light heat and that sort of thing, and then it's absolutely fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like some people, you know, you see people smoking their, their meats and, you know, frying the heck out of them. With fish, you don't need to do that. In fact, you know, you can just smoke it and eat it if you want, and some people eat raw fish. Um, obviously, like the Japanese, and, you know, they're fine. There's, there's, you know, as long as they're, they're clean fish, they're absolutely fine. I was going to ask about that, Stephen, because one of the things I've started doing recently, because I've noticed that, I mean, fish is getting expensive nowadays. It's really not cheap, but some of the fish that is a little bit cheaper is some of the gamier fish, um, and they can be quite nice still if you smoke them. And so I got out my little smoke box the other day, put some fish on there. It was absolutely delicious. I can't remember what fish it was now. I think it might have been some little trout or some, I think a salmon trout they were actually. And they were delicious. So is smoking a good way to do it? Is there anything we need to be oh. wary of cooking with a smoker? Um, or is that sort of a good lower heat way to do it that's going to preserve the oils? No, it's an absolutely uh, fantastic way. A lot of people, uh, it depends on how you smoke it. Like a lot of people smoke fish and they let the sort of fish hang and dry. And, and we don't want that because it's actually oil that's, 
you know, so as long as the fish is still, quote, moist at the end of the smoking process, yeah. go for it. You know, it tastes good. Oh, I'm yeah. liking it. Nice. My diet's, well, uh, my, my menu's getting bigger and bigger. It's really good. It's really good. Um, <laughs> Stephen, with uh, with these capsules and taking them, is there an ideal time for people to take fish oils? Is it something they take with every single meal? Is it something they can take every other day? Is it something they need to take every single day? You know, and is it different if I'm having, say, fish oil, if I'm having krill oil? What's what's the, the, the best recommendation you can make there? Sure, have it with your heaviest meal, which is usually dinner, or if you're having, you know, like, you know, like I had half a dozen eggs this morning, I'd uh, krill oil with that. So, you know, as long as you, you have what, it with a, a half large, a dozen um, eggs. Yeah. Nice. Well done. Yeah, six eggs for breakfast. Yeah, cut up an onion and capsicum and, yeah, yeah some spinach, and yeah, it was my breakfast. Nice <laughs> omelette. Excellent. I love it. Six eggs, brother. Oh, You've got a challenge, mate. You smashed it. Smashed it. I don't even, I don't do six eggs. Yeah, That's great. It's unbelievable. All right. It's easy. It's half a box. Uh, but, you know, I have to do legs in the gym, guys. You know how you have to rebuild all that and uh, yes. get all that going again. So, yeah, just, just, just eat them. It's great. Yeah, no wonder you're and free-range eggs, no doubt, Stephen, which are obviously higher I, in the omega-3s as well. Yeah, there are. And funny enough, you can get omega-3 eggs that have, have kind of got, you know, they, they, they give them omega-3 rich foods. Oh, I'm just, you know, I, I just get the, the free-range eggs. They're fine. They're only $4.20 at Woolies these days. It's not like they used to be where they were, you know, relatively expensive. Nowadays, they're, I don't know, they seem to be a little bit cheaper. I think the demand has yeah. grown for them. So and you, you gotta, know, you got to watch out. Working harder. Well, you got to watch out for the free-range eggs as well because some of them, they'll claim to be free-range eggs and they'll have 10,000 hens per hectare, um, whereas the real free-range eggs that will have the healthier ratios are the ones that have 1,500 hens per hectare. So worth checking that on the packaging. If they don't say... They say their free range is probably 10,000, but if they do 1,500, then it will say on the packet, and that's what you want to look for. There you go. I didn't know that. Well, I'm going to look for that now. That's, that's check terrific. it out now. Check it out. I reckon your $4.20 ones might be the 10,000, yeah. Stephen, so you might want to check uh, it out. You might be paying probably. $8.10 now. That might be worth it. Uh, okay, so, so, so they've <laughs> gone gone back up in price for me again, damn it. But, but you know, look, it's, it's still a relatively – like well, you know, it, let's say it's $8. I mean, still $4 worth of eggs. It's – but, but even if you're not a guts like I'm not, um, you know, you, you could eat, you'd eat, you know, half that or two or something, and it's only $2. It's, it's, it's really not a lot of money, you know what I mean? If you're having sort of, you know, eggs for breakfast, if you have three, that's $2. So yeah. it's not a lot of money. It's, it's a good Little cheap bug. breakfast anyway. Yeah. So we, I distracted you there with how many eggs um, you, you told us that you ate. Um, we're talking about uh, to take the, the tablets with your heaviest meal. Um, and then yeah. we're also talking about whether or not it's, it's – you know, you've got to take it every single day or whether you've got to take it, you know, every other day or what the frequency of taking fish oil is? Oh, you, you, you only need to take them once a day. I, I wouldn't take them every other day because if you have, you know, let's say two capsules or two grams, if you have four grams at once, you know, oil can sort of upset you, get if you have too much at once. So I say once a day, you know, if you're going to have high-dose fish oils, like if you know, if someone's told you, a health professional said, no, you need a lot of fish oils because of your raging arthritis or your raging autism, whatever it is going on for your body. Uh, but if you're just having two a day, you can have them once a day. If that's a, that's a, your two capsules a day, just have them once a day with dinner. Nice. And when you say with dinner, is it like should you have them before your meal, during your meal? After, like when exactly should you try and do it? Does it matter? Uh, it, well, I have it during the meal and, and sort of – Towards the end of my meal, this is this is this is pedantic stuff. But if you have it like towards the end of your meal, and you just put them in your mouth, and you just push food in after it, you know, it needs to swallow it with liquid. 
Um, if you can do that, that's great because that that's when you know all your lipase, these enzymes that digest fat. For those who don't know, lipases come out with your big meals, and they can digest the fats very effectively and absorb them, and it doesn't cause any gastric reflux. If you have fish oils on an empty stomach, like I have accidentally done a few times, uh, it can cause you know reflux a bit in your burp and that, but. Gee, for for such a powerful medicine, I mean that that's a minimal side effect to worry about. But sir, just just have it with meals and you'll be fine. In terms of uh, brands of um, different krill out there, there's heaps. There's so many different brands um, and different fish oils. They're all over the place. And you know, you and I both have um, experienced conversations around buying practitioner only because it's standardised or it's ultra filtered or it's. Um, it's got no nasties in there, all those sorts of things. But is it the same for krill? Should we be looking for particular brands or particular um, products with krill? Well, you know, the, the one I like is the one that's sustainably farm, which is Aka Biomarine. That, that's a really good one to, to take because, it, it, you know, a lot of the research on that has been good. There was a research recently, a research paper on it recently, which showed that in, you know, highly trained athletes like you two, it actually helps preserve the immune system. So awesome. it's another actual <laughs> it, – it, it, it's actually, you know, another – I mean, I, I wouldn't have thought that, you know, fish oil – you know, immune system doesn't spring to mind when you think fish oil. But, you know, the research is pretty clear on that. So, you know, it, it's a good one to have to, to help uh, normalize the immune system. Oh, that will be great for Damo for his two-and-a-half push-ups he did this morning. That will really help. <laughs> hey, I walked about 35 kilometres on the golf course today. I was left and right zigging and zagging, oh. so uh, I nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, I did legs at the gym, boring fart, you know, as I was, you know. Yeah. It was hurting there. So, you know, this is the sort of stuff that, you know, I mean, you know, we joke about it, but, but, but you know, if, if, if you are training quite, you know, vigorously then you know there's nothing worse than getting a cold or flu so you know for something like krill oil to be able to, to to prevent immune suppression i think that's absolutely fantastic yeah absolutely Stephen. it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on our podcast again it's you're such a wealth of knowledge i can't believe that we've pushed on nearly 30 minutes and ticked it's just unbelievable but uh thanks so much for sharing all the information you mentioned a company there was aka biomarine um they manufacture a um a, a krill product called superba krill i think i've just done a little search on that mm. um oh, and good. you can uh, you can find that on facebook you can find it online as well so aka aka biomarine.com um or superba krill.com are the the two places that you were talking about there i think Stephen. but thank you so much mate for um for sharing um uh, your knowledge with us and coming back onto the wellness guys no problem, anytime. Please have me back sooner rather than later. We'd love it, we'd love it. Thanks, Thanks mate. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of The Wellness Guy Show. We hope you love the new feel. Remember to continue to interact with us and tell us what you thought of this and other episodes. Please head to facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Guys and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. This is the way that we get to share our message with the world. For more information about Bredo and all that he's up to, please head to drbredhill.com.au and to find out more about me, head to damienchristoff.com. Until we meet again, continue to bring wellness into your life and we'll join you next time on The Wellness Guy Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Boston Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.